bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's word. Well, you know, for some time now, we've been, uh, I've been bringing you words of encouragement from the word of God as we look at Jesus and his dealings with his disciples. And we look at different people whom he encountered in different situations and how he helped them through. And today we're going to look at another story relating to Jesus. Um, I just feel convinced that we have to preach and center more and more about Jesus. And uh, I think for a lot of Christians, they are even be forgetting some stories of the Bible and, uh, and, and, and things relating to Jesus. So uh, in the past four weeks, that's what I've been doing, just bringing us back to our foundation of Christ, his relationship with people, and what we can learn from it. My message today is titled... Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Set your eyes on him. There are many things that seek our attention. And in life you're going to find so many things that seek your attention. So many things that are calling for your attention. And we have to always determine what we are going to focus on. And this morning I pray that whatever you're going through, whatever is coming your way, that you will learn to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Somebody tell the, your neighbor, fix your eyes on Jesus. And our reading is going to come from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. This is another storm story, but it's different from the one we encountered uh, a couple of weeks ago where Jesus was in the boat in this situation, he was not in the boat with his disciples and they encountered a storm. And we're going to see uh, something about the story, but instead of focusing on, on just what Jesus was doing, we're going to see what one of the disciples of Jesus did in this situation and what we can learn about it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Uh, the background of the story is after Jesus had fed the 5,000. And verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sing, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. I pray that at the end of this service, you can also say, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is a different encounter of Jesus with his disciples on the sea, and you have to understand that the ministry of Jesus was around the shores of Galilee for most of the part. That's where he called his early disciples from. So much of the activities of Jesus was around the, the lake of Galilee. The lake of Galilee was so big, it was sometimes called the sea, but really it was a lake, and it had storms on it many times, very unpredictable storms. And in this story, uh, Jesus sends his disciples out and they encounter a storm. Uh, the background of the story, as I said earlier, was that he had fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and everybody's excited. And according to John's account of this story, the people wanted to make Jesus king. And so Jesus sent them away. So he, he, he wanted to send them away, and uh, he, so he sent them away and, uh, and uh, told them to go to the other side whilst he goes to pray. And when he was on the journey, uh, when, when he was praying, the people were on the journey, and they encountered this major storm. I want us to take a closer look at the passage and walk through it as the events unfold. The Bible tells us where the boat was. And the first thing the Bible says about the boat is that it was in the middle of the sea. In the middle of the sea. The distance from the shore where Jesus sent them to the other side was about five miles. Was about five miles. Uh, at this time, it is considered that they are somewhere around the third mile. So they've gone quite a bit from the shore, but they are also not on the other side. The Bible says they are in the midst of the sea or in the middle of the sea. That means that they were halfway through their journey. They haven't finished and they are also not at the beginning. That is some of the most uh, difficult places to be in life when you started something, you haven't finished, you are in the middle, and then things are going wrong. So the storm hit them at the point where they could not go forward and couldn't go backwards. The second thing about the middle of the sea is it shows that they were in the depth of the situation. You could say that they were in deep waters or they were in deep troubles. They, they were right there in the middle of the problem. The problem was not far away from them. They were in it, in the middle of the sea. The second thing the Bible says about where they were is the Bible describes the situation that they were tossed by the waves. They were in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. That's an interesting word, tossed by the waves, because when you read uh, the Bible a little further, especially when you have the 
background of the language, uh, the same word that is described or used here as tossed. In other writings, especially in the book of Matthew, Matthew uses the same Greek word to describe demonic activity, especially in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse uh, chapter 8, 5, and 6, uh, when Jesus was dealing with the, um, the man, the centurion, the centurion describes his son or his servant. He says, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Now, that word tormented is the same word that is used in this passage, tossed. So when the Bible says toss, it's not as if they are moving gently from right to left, you know, just swinging. No, this is a major situation they are going through, and it is likened to a demonic attack. And the word tormented means to be tested and stretched beyond limit. To be tested and stretched beyond limit. It also means to be tormented. So they were not just swinging from left to right. They, they, they were just stretched beyond limit. They were tested and they were tormented. They were experiencing torture, mental torture. The third thing the Bible says about their condition is that it says the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary. Now you have to understand that in the days of Jesus, uh, they didn't have what we call in Ghana ahead. They didn't have motors to their boats. The boats moved by wind. Either it was sailboats or rowing boats. But whatever the situation was, the wind was the force that propelled the boat. So if the wind was against you, you were in big trouble. The Bible says in this situation, the wind was contrary. The wind was going the opposite way. They were going one way and the wind was blowing the other way. So no matter the efforts they made, they couldn't move much. In this encounter that Jesus had with the disciples, their lives were not in danger. What was really happening was not that they were afraid they were going to die. What was really happening was that they were getting nowhere. From the time Jesus dismissed them to this time, they had been rowing for about nine hours. Nine hours. And uh, they had made progress of just about three miles. So they are putting in a lot of effort. They are rowing very hard. They are working very hard, but they are going nowhere. They are not making much progress because the wind is pushing them backwards. I don't know whether you've been in a situation like that where you are rowing so hard, you're putting all your best effort, but you're not making much progress. That's what is happening here. The wind is in their face, pushing them backwards. The Bible says that whilst this is going on, Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch. In the fourth watch. Now, in the days of Jesus, uh, the, the Jews and the Romans counted time differently. The Jews had three night watches. The Romans had four night watches. So when the Bible says the fourth watch... It is using the Roman system, not the Jewish system, because the Jewish system didn't have a fourth watch. Now, the watches, it's not watch like what we have. 
But the watches were from six in the evening till six in the morning. You have to understand the Jewish system, a day starts from the evening. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's what the Bible says. So it starts from the evening. So the watch is from six in the evening to six in the morning. Now, you know, there are 12 hours. They, these are subdivided into four. For, so from six to nine in the evening is the first watch. From nine to 12 is the second watch. 12 to three is the third watch. Three to six is the fourth watch. So Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch. That is from the period 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's when he shows up walking on the sea. So they had been rowing from the first watch, the second watch, the third watch. Three hours each. They had been doing this for nine hours. And in these nine hours, they are not making progress. This distance should have taken them probably about an hour, an hour and a half. They've done nine hours and they're on the sea and the waves are against them and they're making no progress. So Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch. The fourth watch is a very interesting time because it's the time between extreme darkness and dawn. It is the time when dawn is just about to break, but it is also the darkest hour. Of the night. That's the fourth watch. And that is when Jesus shows up in the fourth watch. He comes at the time when they had tried their heart, they're in the darkest moment, but dawn is about to break. Now, when Jesus shows up, he is walking on the water. According to Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus, when he was alone praying, saw them. So although he was not with them physically, he was with them spiritually, and I believe he prayed for them. So he knew what they were going through. He knew they had been going for nine hours, making no progress. So he starts from the other end of the shore to go to them. And the Bible says he doesn't use a boat. He walks on water. Now that is great, but that is also scary. Jesus is coming to help them. In the fourth watch, they've been doing this for nine hours. They are tired. They are weary. They are not making progress. They are stuck in the middle of nowhere. Nothing seems to be happening. And all of a sudden, somewhere around three o'clock in the night, Remember, there, were no, there was no electricity at that time, so it would be pretty dark. Three o'clock at night, they see something on the water. <laughs> and it's coming. Now, it's one thing if it's going. It's another thing if it's coming. So they see this thing coming. And there are two kinds of revelation that is observed. The first is what the disciples saw, or their revelation, or their interpretation of what was going on. The disciples said, it is a ghost. It is a ghost. I can understand them. 
Now, it's very interesting when you consider the disciples as it's a ghost because the disciples were Jews and Jews didn't believe in ghosts. But I guess when you are in trouble, you will believe in things you don't believe in. <laughs> so, they, 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 they look at this thing. They've been taught there are no ghosts, but they see it and they said, it's a ghost. Because when you are com- confronted by perplexing situations, all kinds of belief systems comes to play with you. Some people will say, it is a witch. If they were Ghanaians. <laughs> it is a demon. Whatever it is, they, they just felt this thing is not good. What is happening, it's not good. It is a ghost. What is the implication when they say it's a ghost? What are they saying? Number one, they're saying it is not real. What we're saying is, what we're seeing is not real. But you and I know it is Jesus. But they say it's not real. It's not real. They can't believe it. It is a ghost also means it's coming after us. It's, it's a sense of dread. It's coming after us. If it's a ghost, then our case is going to be complicated. It's one thing being in a storm going nowhere. Another thing seeing a ghost coming to you when you are going nowhere. What do you do? When you are stuck in the middle going nowhere, working so hard, at the darkest hour, you see a ghost coming. Now, I'm sure if they were charismatics, they'll be speaking in tongues. And they'll be binding Jesus in the name of Jesus and casting Jesus out in the name of Jesus. And pleading the blood of Jesus over themselves against Jesus. Because sometimes when Jesus shows up in your darkest hour, it doesn't look like Jesus. It looks like a ghost. It looks like something that is going to worsen your situation. It's a ghost. That's the first revelation. What do you see? A ghost. The second revelation is what Jesus himself gave. Jesus says, it is I. It is I. Literally, when you read it in the, in the original language, it, 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 the, it will sound like, I am. Not it is I, I am. This is the I am walking on the water. I am is walking on water. It is I. The implication of that is what you're seeing is reality. Jesus is saying, I am real. It's not a ghost. This is reality. And not only is he real, Jesus is also saying, I am reliable. You can trust me. I believe that in the storms of life, when we're going through a crisis of life, sometimes not making the progress we want to make because the winds of life are contrary to us, Jesus appears to us. But our interpretation of what is happening can change our approach. If it's a ghost, we're going to run away from him. If it's Jesus, we're going to walk closer to him. 
may I just suggest to you that not everything that scares you is the devil. Not everything that scares you is the devil. Sometimes Jesus comes walking on water and it's scary because in your mind, nothing mortal can do that. But that's why he's God. He can control the elements. Jesus is able to step into your situation at a time in a place where you think it's not possible. Don't ever make a hasty decision to label an act of God as a ghost act. Before you jump to conclusion, pause a bit and wait a little, you may see that what you think is the devil attacking you is actually God coming to your rescue. It's not all the devil. I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit. I think we give the devil too much praise because we blame him for everything. And sometimes we give him too much power. But he can't walk on water. The one who does is the great I am. It is I. I just sense that God is saying to somebody this morning, it is I. Maybe you're going through a crisis and think the storms are just hitting you so bad and, and the wind is against you and all of a sudden you see something coming your way and you are scared, you think your situation is going to get worse and God says, be of good cheer, it is I. I am the one coming your way. Jesus speaks those words. Be of good cheer, don't be afraid. Trust me, I am real. I am reliable. So on the storm, there are two images that you can focus on. Or on the sea in the storm, two images. First, there is the image of the coming storm. The coming storm. The image of the coming storm is an image of chaos. Because every storm is chaotic. It's real, but chaotic. Every storm is compelling. When you are in it, you feel it. But in that same situation, there is a second picture you have to consider. And that is the overcoming Lord. The overcoming Lord gives us a picture of calmness. So, if you were... In the boat that day, there were two pictures staring you in the face. The storm coming against you and the Lord who overcomes the storm. Now you have to choose which of these pictures you're going to fix your eyes on. Both are compelling. Because you know, most of the time when you go through situations there will be circumstances competing for your attention. Jesus wants your attention. The storm wants your attention. And you're going to have to decide which of these you're going to fix your eyes on. Are you going to fix your eyes on the storm or are you going to fix your eyes on Jesus? Now, as you follow this story, something interesting 
happens. It's almost as if it starts with a storm, but in there somewhere in the middle, the image changes and there is a conversation going on and the storm seems to have disappeared. It's almost like when you are watching a movie. Maybe you're watching a, a war movie and there are bombs flying and there are bullets flying and, and the people are running and it's all chaotic. And somewhere in the movie, you find two people, maybe a man and a woman in love and, and they are talking about how much they love one another. The bombs are still going on, but the camera shifts from this chaos to this image of love. And when you are watching the movie, you are watching it and all of a sudden you forget there are bombs. Because your attention has shifted. And then, you know, say, honey, I love you. Don't leave me. We'll, we'll see each other. And you know, all the nice things they see in the movie. But for that moment, we forget there are bombs. And then after they say goodbye, boom, boom, boom. The storm was there all along. But we're shown that in the storm, there can be another picture. And that's what is happening here. In the storm, where everything is collapsing and there's no F, there's no success, nothing is happening. There is a new picture. And the picture is Jesus. And he's walking on the trouble. Jesus is showing us, yes, there is trouble. But it can be overcome. You can, you can actually conquer this thing. You can overcome it. He's demonstrating it. And the people are focusing on Jesus. It's a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's a ghost. I'm sure there is a debate going on. And whilst this thing is going on, Peter speaks. And I like what Peter says. He says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Command me to come to you on the water. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.